this guest and I were kicking it back when you had to run to the store to buy batteries for Xbox controllers, and 250 gigabytes was considered a whole lot of storage. Since then, we've kicked it from the beaches of Sado Island to the streets of Tokyo, all the while flee, uh, fleeing hordes of zombies, battling hunters and flyflies, and the most challenging and rewarding of all, being dads. <laughs> I would like to welcome the hero I call by the first name, Jamie. Thank you, thank you for having me on here. This, this yeah. is an honor. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. Um, thank, thank you, man. Thanks for taking out the the time of uh, of dadding to, to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We we had to coordinate our kids' bedtimes in order to make this happen. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Actually, um, yeah, my daughter's watching iPad in the other room. That's oh, just, <laughs> no, yeah, I it's not sure. not the best not the best parenting skills. <laughs> no, I made sure it's like kids about to fall asleep. I'm like, nope, nope. You're you're staying up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no nap times today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tire them out, man. Make them run a lap awesome. or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Go for it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but um, yeah, I might have to just uh get get up in like I don't know, like twenty minutes now to make to see if she's she's yeah. uh, sleeping. That tell her to go to bed. Yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, man. Well, awesome, man. Like, uh, thanks for doing this. Um, and also thank you for being the first uh, Patreon subscriber to the podcast. I oh wow! It, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's yeah. my pleasure. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, it seems like whenever you do something creative, it's always, you know, it's always got a lot of heart behind it. It's always got, a, um, you know, very professional. I mean, back with the Echugens album as well, which I, I still yeah, have, yeah. I still have that on Amazon, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's still in my Amazon library. Awesome, man. I, I actually, I ripped it to my uh, Google Music as well. It pops up every oh, once in a while on random. Oh, no. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, man, that was a fun, that was a fun little project, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I'll be, I'll be entering, interviewing uh, Johnny and, and Brian uh, th this month, so. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I talk to Johnny from time to time. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I see him online uh, on PlayStation from from time to time. I shot him a message. Oh, nice, nice. Um, haven't seen Brian uh, in a while. I, I run into Jeff like randomly around. Oh, cool. Uh, around Tokyo from time to time, just at like business, oh, nice, business nice. stuff. And yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. No, Johnny and um, yeah, I need I need to hit him up. Yeah, man. He's you know he's he's being a dad too. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, Brian's all. So, so this is where um, the audio cuts off. So from here on out, um, I will be uh, kind of narrating um, the questions and uh, giving context uh, to what uh, Jamie is saying. Yeah, so here I just um, mentioned to Jamie how tough it is being a parent and finding game and finding time to uh, to play games. Oh man, you gotta like coordinate everything now. It's like you know. Like I, my gaming habits have changed a lot because it's like I have to, you know, I, I can't play ultra competitive long games like stuff like I, I was never a League of Legends player, but that's out because I, I don't have 45 minute increments to commit. And, and you know, if, if Sun comes in and says I made poopy, like I can't be like, sorry, guys, I need to pause. Like, you know, not nine other people are chilling around while I'm changing a diaper. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I mentioned to Jamie just that, um, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit more about, you know, how we met and, um, you know, uh, kind of give a little bit of a backstory, kind of talk about our history. Um, so, yeah, uh, enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I was on uh, Saddle Island with Josh and, and I forgot if it was that we threw a party and you came or if it was for the, the first Earth celebration. Um, 
Yeah, maybe Josh threw like a welcome party for the new Sato crew because we had a big, big crew that year. We had like six or seven people come out, like brand new people. Like Wayne was there. Um, yeah, we had a big class, and I think Josh threw, threw a, like a welcome party for us. And then, yeah, I mentioned that Paul from episode seven and Josh were friends. You know, it's, it's funny how everything's connected because I, I, I've always heard stories about Paul from Josh because they're, they're like really close, right? And, and then even through you and through Mets and, and stuff like that. And yeah, and I, don't, I never met Paul, but like, you know, I feel like I need to connect with him at some point because I've heard so many stories and we have, you know, uh, mutual friends and mutual venues and, and experiences and, you know, so then, yeah, I kind of shifted um, towards Sado Island, which is uh, an island um, that's a part of Niigata Prefecture that uh, Jamie and Joss had lived on. So I just, uh, yeah, mentioned how it's a pretty fun place to be. Yeah, S Sado was, yeah, <laughs> Sado was, Sado was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for considering like how small of a place it was and like how critically little of things to do there was, like we had a pretty good time. We all got along. I mean, you know, we, we definitely had you know, quarrels over the years as, you know, I mean, we're all essentially in like one year <laughs> contractual relationships and you know, all couples fight. But, you know, all in all, like, you know, we, we mostly pulled through it. And with, uh, you know, Josh and I got along through D&D uh, &D and anime and, and, you know, we were both big sci-fi fans. So, like, you know, we, we just like ended up chilling a lot and, you know, weighing through soccer. Um, watched a lot of soccer together he actually got me uh, heavy into soccer and yeah so and you know we had fun so here um i asked uh jamie about his past and um kind of asked him to you know share a little bit about you know um where he he came from because um i hadn't met jamie until um he came to japan we met in japan so i never really asked him much about where uh, he was from and uh what his experience was like um, growing up and kind of what led him here to Japan. So listen and enjoy. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I guess I can I can go back and if I'm trailing, you just like pull me back on. <laughs> um, no, it seems like, you know, most of the people you had on are like through your school. Uh, so you, I know you guys talked a lot about school life. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, growing up, uh, I, I was always into video games. Um, you know, I... I got my first Atari when I must have been like three years old um, because the neighbors, they upgraded to an NES. And so like, you know, the second you pick up NES, you're like, what the hell is a 2600? <laughs> so, so they gave us an Atari with like 20 games. Like they were stacked. Um, and I don't remember a lot of them, but I remember we had Frogger and I remember we had Star Wars um, and uh, maybe... Um, those are the two I remembered, and maybe, uh, uh, what was it? Zen, um, uh, and then, yeah, I quickly mentioned uh, about having the Intellivision and playing the game Burger Time. Maybe that's what he was thinking of. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I know what it was. I didn't have one. Um, but yeah, so from there, like, gaming had always been a part of my life. I got an NES, um, when I was like maybe six or so, and, uh, then we moved, I was in Texas at the time, we moved to South Carolina when I was like in uh, preschool, I guess. And, but kind of like, you know, gaming is all of my friends that I have nowadays, my longtime friends and well, not, you know, not like, you know, most more recent friends, but all my longest time friends have been connected through games. Like I, one of my best friends forever, um, you know, we were just, uh, 
a friend of a friend, I heard that he bought an SNES. And I had met this kid like maybe once, but I knew where his house was. And I remember I like went and knocked on his door. I said, hi, I heard you have an SNES. Let's be friends. Seriously. <laughs> and that was it. And we were best friends for like eight years. <laughs> and then like, you know, my other, um, you know, my other buddies, we'd get together, play GoldenEye. We'd play Rainbow Six, or not Rainbow Six, uh, Smash 64. Um, and those are the people I'm still like really connected with. Um, but yeah, in school, like I, I didn't really... I didn't really uh, like school that much, especially not un until high school. Um, like my elementary school, you know, I, I was kind of the geeky, a little bit overweight kid, you know, not that athletic. I was, you know, just more into to video games. Um, then I, I had a group of friends. Um, I, I played the violin. I was in orchestra. Um, so I had a, a group of friends through there a little bit. Um, and then in middle school, same thing. Like, in fact, in middle school, I, I kind of had a temporary cool period where I, I, I became the cool kid just because I had all of the Dragon Ball Z VHS tapes. And, and, and it's, it's funny because like, you know, they, they played Dragon Ball Z on um, Toonami and they only played like the, the first 20 episodes and they played the first 20 episodes for like three years straight. And then I randomly, like literally, I was driving across town with my dad and I saw a shop that had a sign that had like all of these game symbols on it. I'm like, dad, we got to pull over. And, and we walked in and they had like just a wall of Dragon Ball Z VHS tapes. And I didn't know what it was. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. No, I mean, I knew what it was, but I'm like, wait, 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 what, what do you mean there's 291 episodes? <laughs> And like the guy gives me this like three-page printout of episode summaries. I'm like, who the hell is Trunks? Who who the hell is Goten? <laughs> Why does Piccolo die seven times? <laughs> but but I I like my buddy and I I had another friend and because they were expensive, they were like ten bucks for three episodes, and they were shitty ass quality or they were bad quality, and, and so like we split them and we would like we would like just uh change off who had who like who used their allowance this week to buy the, the, the Dragon Ball Z VHS tape um but I made friends through that and like fast forward I moved and kind of the same thing like you know even when I moved like the I, I moved into this kid's house who was like he was a jock he was kind of a cool kid and he like he tried to like incorporate me into them but it just wasn't me like you know he's like told me he's like eh, you shouldn't sit with those kids like they're they're dorky um yeah, you should sit with us I'm like but all you guys talk about is boring shit <laughs> like this guy over here he's like you know they're talking about smash brothers that's kind of where i want to be <laughs> but luckily like you know you get to high school and like our high school was big it was like seven eight hundred people and you know with with that amount of people you find your group right and by then it didn't really matter like clicks you know it didn't really matter that much because you had your own group of friends and you know they i, I found a, a pretty nice tight group of friends that had the same interests as me and you know i started enjoying school a lot more but um yeah and you know in the japan connection was I, I think it was in maybe second year of high school or first year of high school we had a world cultures class and it was all right yeah it was mostly about european culture um you know, like european history um a, a lot of the time but i just remember i actually remember a lot about the class but i remember they had this one literally only one page devoted to japan and it was at the back of the Asia chapter, um, like East Asia chapter. And literally this, this I remember this page vividly because like 
it was one page, and half the page was taken up by this like massively overblown picture of a geisha. And I'm just like, well, I don't really know what's going on here, but you know, that looks kind of cool, and it's not, it's not South Carolina. Um, and, and at the time, that was like, this is all kind of happening around the same time that like, um, you know, we were kind of past Dragon Ball a little bit. Um, like, the kind of anime was kind of slowly trickling in at one series per per month. Um, and, you know, my, our group of friends, we, we got together and we were starting to get into it. And we watched uh, Initial D, and that just blew all of our minds. We're like, we all must go out and buy Japanese cars and find a way to get to Gunma immediately. And, <laughs> and you know, that was it. I did a study abroad after uh, high school. Um, and I, I went into college and I did like, uh, I did tech school for my first year and I was studying psychology. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I knew I didn't want to be in America. Um, and I'm, I'm not an American either. I love America, but I just knew that I wanted to like get, I wanted to see what was beyond America essentially. Um, and I thought why well, I, I, you know, I like Japan culture. I, I was big into martial arts. I was big into the music, the, uh, the culture, the anime, the food, um, you know, even though at the time uh, my impression of Japanese food was the the Chinese cooks at the mall, but that was fine. Sweet and sour chicken, chicken teriyaki, yeah. Um, you know, you you eating your 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 brown rice with chopsticks. <laughs> it's like why just you end up just like shoveling it because you're not supposed to like be picking up brown rice with chopsticks. <laughs> yeah, we didn't care. <laughs> um. But I came to Japan, I did like a, a two month or a one month, like maybe it was about two month homestay. Um, I studied language at a local YMCA um, and it, that kind of solidified. I'm like, yep, this is what I want to do. I immediately went back, uh, changed majors, transferred into a, a proper university that had a Japanese program and, and that was it. Um, I, I studied uh, I studied abroad my, soft, my junior year, uh, uh, it was my sophomore year. Uh, of college in uh, Nagoya for a year. I loved it. Uh, I had a part-time job working at a sports bar. It was awesome. Uh, I barely even went to class because I'm like, well, you know, like we, we take all of our classes in the morning. That's the intensive language classes. Then in the afternoon, we're supposed to be having cultural classes. I'm like, I'm working at a sports bar. This is the cultural classes. <laughs> like I, I, I've been to Sumo twice. I don't need to go again. Like, you know, I, I, I just want to meet people and talk to people and like have fun and... So I, I, in fact, I, I learned about the JET program while I was studying abroad and I wanted to just get back to Japan so fast that I literally, I went home and I took like two double loaded semesters to graduate a year early and, and just immediately like jumped on. I skipped my graduation um, because my flight leaving for the JET program was the day of my graduation. I'm like, I'm sorry, mom. I, I know that you've been waiting for this, but you know, I... My job is starting. <laughs> yeah, I was in. I was all in. Like, you know, I didn't care. And it, it was lucky. It was actually super lucky because that was 2008. And that was when, like, Lehman Shock was, was right there, right? And all of my friends lost their jobs. Like, all of them. Like, I had one buddy that I think survived. He worked at Michelin as an engineer. Um, He was the only one. Beyond that, like, seven, probably seven out of eight of my friends lost their jobs. Just, like, within a year out of college. And I'm still in Japan. I'm like, I don't know what the, I didn't even know what the Lehman shock was for, for another like three or four years. So, so yeah, then I just briefly, uh, asked Jamie just, um, kind of his timeline between then and, and now. Then, uh, five years in the jet program, 
Yeah, five years in the JET program, and then uh, Tokyo now for the last uh, eight, eight years, I think, something like that. Then, yeah, I briefly asked um, if he ever um, thought about going back home at any time. No, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. All my buddies went back to school, and you know now they have like massive school debt. Some of them are still paying it off, right? Just mentioned that that's what a lot of people did uh, during that time is just go back to school, and now they're stuck with a ton of debt. Well, that's all people could do. There were no jobs, and so like that's all what all my friends did. They all went back to school and they doubled down and just you know, I mean my mom. My mom worked, um, she, she wasn't a social, I don't know if it was classified as a social worker, not, not in the sense of like helping kids, but she was helping um, uh, disabled veterans. Um, and she says she was having people with doctor's degrees applying to like entry level, like $2,000, $2,500 per year jobs that are like meant, meant for, you know, meant for like um, college, you know, two year degree people. There's, there's just no jobs. Like people, you know, my dad, uh, he, he's, uh, he, what do you call it? would employ temporary workers um and a lot of it was um kind of low privilege low education um people that needed jobs he would uh, taste that he would take them and introduce them to, to jobs on like it, it factories or as like banquet servers or stuff like that and you know he, these jobs pay like seven dollars an hour not even that like six dollars an hour six twenty five an hour was the minimum wage in south carolina at the time and he, we had people with master's degrees applying to be like forklift drivers so at this point, I just kind of pointed out that we're in a similar situation today um, and then um, kind of uh, focused um, the conversation back onto Jamie and how, you know, his choice to come out to Japan and kind of follow his his dream um, actually ended up working out for him in the end. It did. Yeah, you know, I like to think that, you know, I was listening to other people in your podcast, you know, the, like, the two, prof three professional musicians, uh, an ex, uh, an ex American Idol alumni, you know, three professional artists. I'm like, what do I have? What do I have to talk about? I'm just like bumbling my way through Japan life. <laughs> yeah, so at this point, I just point out to Jamie that, you know, he's put a lot of, of, of effort and, and work, uh, you know, into, you know, making a life out here in Japan. And um, yeah, I remember, um, you know, he used to always be studying Japanese and always trying to find um, any opportunities he could to uh, make it to Tokyo and make a life for himself. Pointed out that what he was doing was mad commendable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, I got lucky. Um, you know, it kind of fell into place. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to land on Sato, um, but... Well, you know, it was funny, um, you know, you, you get your jet program placements and it comes in this like massive uh, PDF document with like, you know, 300, 400 names, maybe even more than that. And I remember I looked at the sheet once and I had requested Nagoya because, you know, I had friends there. It was like my, my stomping ground. And the first time I checked the sheet, I saw that I had gotten Nagoya and I was super stoked. And I was happy. I was like, yeah, I was contacting my friends. Like, I'm coming back. You know, I'll be I'll be there in a few months. And, and then like a week later, I happened to check the sheet again. And I saw that the person above me had gotten Nagoya. And I, I looked at the shoes like, Sato, I've never heard of that place. Types it into Google, not found. I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. And, and so I go into Japanese Google, and I look at the kanji, because I never heard of the place. I typed into Japanese Google, and it pulls up Niigata. I'm like, well, this is Niigata. Okay, that's a place. But I don't see Sato in here. And then you... 
Yeah, well, you know, you type it in in English, and then finally I had to type in the name in Japanese, and that's when you see, like, Google Maps do, like, the little dotted line the dit, 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 off the coast, and I'm like, oh, that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> but no, it was it worked out, like, long story short. You know, if I had went to Nagoya, I would have just hung out with the same people. I definitely would not have studied Japanese, you know. Um, I wouldn't have met any of you guys, and, you know, so it's... it's a, big positive in the end. Well, in this part of the conversation, uh, I wanted to kind of push a little bit forward into the future. Um, and I mentioned how, you know, Jamie had left uh, Sato Island to work in the main city of Niigata, Niigata City, um, and how that is really a, something, I know, something I noticed about his personality, that he's always pushing for the next big thing and always trying to find new opportunities uh for himself um and just to, to to grow and to flourish yeah that's very true that that's that's factual even today <laughs> um no like you know i did the jet program for five years and i had the option to do it longer and uh you know i i just i, I thought about it for a little while but i thought you know this and yeah you know you pass off to you you actually make made a career out of it like you you went out and you, you know you you study and you know, you're working at chiba university is chiba university right it was freaking awesome kind of university um but you know that you know the most that that's awesome and you know for me i i thought that at least in niigata i didn't want to be a teacher forever um and it was more about that i i knew that to do something more than what I was doing as like a, a, a ALT, I would need to go back to school and I would need to like go back into education mode. And I just didn't want to do that. I kind of saw that school was a part of my life that was done and, and now it's the time to like start doing something else. And so I, I didn't know what I was going to do actually up until about three months before the JET program ended. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, I didn't want to go back home. I thought I could either become a translator, interpreter, uh, but that was also like not really an end game for 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 me because just because like glass ceiling uh, that kind of foreigners have above their heads in Japan. Um, I was lucky. I went to the Jet Program Returners Conference, and at the Jet Program Returners Conference, they had. I was actually blown away. I did not think at all that they would have so much support for people that wanted to stay in Japan. Um, in, in fact, like 75% of the returners conference was targeted at people that wanted to stay in Japan. And did you ever go? So yeah, just to give uh, context to the, to the next few parts, I'll just explain my what I said here. Um, so um, no, I didn't uh, go um, there, um, you know, mostly because it cost a lot of money um, for me at the time to <laughs> to, to go. Um, but more so um, was that um, I was hired um, directly by Board of Education, um, you know, uh, so that was an opportunity that I took and the money was good at the time. And uh, yeah, you know, I was very lucky to, to get that position. So um, yeah, uh, fortunately, um, I was uh, able to, you know, transition um, smoothly um, from the JET program to uh, a different um, area um, doing a job that you know was a little bit better um, and that had uh, a lot more perks um, and uh, yeah 
No, you did it right. Like, I knew that after working for the Board of Education for five years, which was fine, like, I didn't have any problem with the Board of Education. I, I really liked my, um, my, my, my local Board of Education. Um, you know, they were, they were very uh, generous, um, and very helpful, and just all really good people. But I knew, I kind of felt that as a foreigner, once again, I would always just have, like, this glass ceiling above my head. And... I applied for some Japanese companies, and but after working for uh, you know the Board of Education, which is a Japanese organization in the city for for five years, um, I'm, I, I knew what I was gonna get into. Like I was gonna have to join as like a, a Shin New Shine, like day one. Um, you know, I was gonna be downgraded to probably half of my jet salary. I was gonna be working like you know, 80-hour work weeks and, and just having to like pay my toll to maybe rise up in four or five years time back to my jet salary and i'm like that's not for me like i don't want to do that and so at the jet program returners conference uh you know i, I was i was just blown away by as a you know like i said about 75 percent of that conference was devoted to people that wanted to stay in japan and and it, we're talking like nintendo was there squaresoft was there um they're like big companies like um what is it? Uh, Microsoft was there, and, and then uh, a bunch of um, like translation interpretation companies, um, like you know animation companies and uh, recruitment companies. And, and I was lucky, like I mentioned, uh, you know, a little while ago, my dad was a, a recruiter uh, by trade, and he was always a salesman, but specifically um, for. While all throughout my middle school and high school life, he had he had his own recruitment firm, like just doing temporary workers. And I kind of thought, well, you know, I used to work with my dad in his shop as like a part-time job. Like I, I kind of know what this is: it's cold calling, it's it's like pitching jobs, it's matching, it's using a, a database and like just matching, you know, what people want with what opportunities are out there. I'm like, I can do that. And I was also. Um, it was the only booths that I visited that were composed pretty much entirely of ex-jets, all wearing ridiculously nice suits. And I'm like, I want that suit. That's shiny. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I applied for like three or four recruitment companies and I got two offers and I, I was lucky that I got my number one offer and I went in and you know, that was it was just that was history after that it was like i made an awesome group of friends and it was it was an awesome job and it still is i'm still doing it today like it's an it's an awesome job and it's pure effort based and it's pure like you know it, it's true international company in japan like my shacho is an american guy um you know 60 my even in my old company when i joined like it was 50 percent japanese 50 percent foreigners from you know my team alone had eight different nationalities on it which is awesome um, and in my new, my current company as well, it's like probably 75% foreigners or so. Um, but it, it's a true American company. Like they have global mobility. If I if I needed to explore that later in life, but it's it's very much effort based and, and merit based. And you know, if you do well, like they take care of you, which is something that I always wanted. You know, I I always thought I needed. Um, versus just like paying my time and blood and. and maybe trying to, to please uh, Kaicho and, you know. So yeah, this part of uh, our conversation, um, I wanted to kind of shift um, away from, you know, careers and, and, and jobs talk and kind of, you know, talk more about um, 
you know, Jamie's influences and some of the things that, um, you know, some of the interests that uh, 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 he and I shared, uh, you know, um, through our friendship, you know, um, you know, games and, and martial arts, sci-fi and stuff. And yeah, I just wanted to ask a bit more about, you know, um, uh, first, I think uh, I asked, you know, um, why didn't he pursue um, a career directly related to, you know, I guess, um, you know, media, science fiction media, or, you know, gaming media, or, you know, the, you know, the, the entertainment industry, or whatever. Uh, and, and, and also, yeah, I was curious just about his influences um, that I, I knew about, um, and, uh, you know, how that impacted uh, who he is today, and his kind of choices that uh, he's made up until now. Sure. Um, a lot throughout the years and like I, I kind of like I mentioned with my groups of friends like I, I feel like I, I have a bunch of hobbies that don't really correlate with each other so well um, it, it's kind of helped me throughout the years in different ways like you know um, like I, I I was always I grew up as a big gamer but for whatever reason I never wanted to make that part of my my career um, it was kind of like in, I don't know, if, yeah, I still don't know if it was the, the right call, but it's kind of like wanting to separate kind of work and, and pleasure. Um, but I always liked computers, um, and so I, I was always just drawn to computers from a young age. Um, like, it, I guess my, kind of to tie it in, my, my first major influence was just my dad. Um, he, he had, he was a computer salesman at the time, um, and he, we always had a computer in the house, and... This is back in Texas. I must have been like three years old. I didn't know how to read or write, but I knew how to boot up Root Beer Tapper on a on a flimsy drive, and like type in like you know CD slash Root Beer you know DIR to get the name of the file, and then <laughs> so you know he kind of helped me with that to kind of fumble through that, and I just started like playing with computers and, and like even even later in life, like he always had a computer in the house, and, and so I didn't know how to. You know, I didn't know how to do anything, but you know, we had like AOL and, and I, I we had PowerPoint. And I would create these like PowerPoint presentations for my dad and for for my like stepmom, just like messing around. Like you know, I would just like just random like presentations with like clip art and stuff like that. And um, but that would you know that, that was fun. My my dad was always been uh you know a big influence in the job as well. Um, you know, it's kind of cool like doing what your dad does because he know we have the same stories, right? Just stories about like crazy clients and crazy candidates um but but beyond that um you know i martial arts was a massive influence in my life for a long time bruce lee was one of my biggest idols um i had a massive bruce lee poster um you know i had the, the Tao of Kundo. that that book was like you know in in, in ta like rattled or what is it it was tattered that I, I was like flipping through it so much and uh i had like miyamoto masashi the book of five rings um I had, I had two copies of it too, because one cop one copy I I highlighted like what I liked in it, but I I started off like in the beginning, then I realized when I finished the book like 99% of the book was just highlighted in random colors. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean you know the the just the tech companies. Um, like I was I was always a Microsoft fan, which I'm sure you'll never hear anybody say. Uh, <laughs> Um, but like, you know, I always kind of bought into like, and I like Bill Gates and stuff like that. And, you know, like what he was doing, um, and, 
you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to make this into a conversation about tech billionaires because that's that's a that's a separate Pandora's box by itself. But you know, just the idea that like you had to do something big and, and no, but people aren't going to like it, and no matter what you do, and you know whether it's right or wrong, that's that's a different topic. But you, know, you just have to do something big and you know figure it out because you're the first one doing it. Like you know, everybody else is just kind of hating on you because they don't understand. Um. Yeah, just uh, and then with Japan, um, I don't know. Just like the, the Japanese culture in general was a massive influence on me. Um, just the food and the mannerisms and the um, you know the, the language and you know the more you learn about it, the more you learn that like ninety percent of like what's said is not said using words. The tatemae and the um, the the honne. Um, um, you know that that was that was cool. Um, yeah, just and then like you know, you, it's gonna sound cheesy, but you know when I got here, you were you were kind of like one of my big influences. You, you both you and Josh, you guys had already been there for like three or four years, and I'm like, man, these guys they they they, they they're already doing it. Like they're doing what I've wanted to do. <laughs> you know, and then like Josh was like crazy artistic. He would create these like this the craziest like tools for his classes that I'd ever seen and he put like hours and hours and hours in. and he was a graphic designer by trade and so like and he had a computer and like, he would just ball out and he like bought a printers and laminators and you know just stuff like that so here I shifted um, the conversation a little bit more towards um, Jamie's current job and what got him into what he's doing today you know, it's, it's not something that was planned. Like even in my, my interview for the recruitment jobs, like I, 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 I put so much time into my resume. It was beautiful. It was like a typeset, you know, it was like, you know, hours and hours of talking to a counselor and like the very, very last line on the resume was like internship at father's recruitment company. And I don't think I'd ever seen somebody like just ignore so much words on so many like the paper so fast just like i want to know about that i don't care about the jet program i don't care about anything else tell me what this is <laughs> yeah so here i just briefly mentioned that um it was it was cool that uh he and i kind of had some similar experiences growing up um working with our dads because jamie you know worked with his dad at the recruiting company and i um used to work with my dad doing tile work um in people's bathrooms on the weekends yeah like similar influences throughout our life yeah I, I didn't know i listened to your podcast i didn't know you played the cello that that's the first time i'd ever heard that <laughs> yeah i played the violin and i played the uh, contrabass I, I played the violin from fifth I, I think i it was fourth grade till ninth grade and then i played the bass from 10th till 12th grade or so because I, I like our orchestra we had it, it was a you know, we had brasses and, and strings separate and we had you know like we had like 30 violins and no basses and i'm like well i i don't really you know <laughs> i want to i want to be special <laughs> and that that thing looks cool it's like collecting dust over there i feel bad for it let me let me pick that up and <laughs> let me see what if i what i could do with it now, like I, you know, school school was a lot of things, but the, like the orchestra was like the one kind of like rock solid class. So, like I don't know what I'm gonna take this year. I don't know what electives I'm gonna take this year. But you know, my whenever I filled up my class sheet, it always started with orchestra because that's like the one thing I knew. Like, well, I'm gonna do orchestra again. 
It's like, you know, the, the, the people were really cool and the teacher was awesome. And, you know, it was a good time. So, yeah, the conversation kind of went um, into video games. And, yeah, we just started talking about games that we played together from, you know, Left 4 Dead, um, you know, The Last of Us, um, you know, a ton of games. And um, I think, yeah, we started um, talking about just our favorite games. And I think I brought up The Last of Us in this part of the conversation. I don't know, man. That's like that. That's up, up there in like, you know, my top five the games that i'll probably play like once every three or four years just to like go back through because that one like you know up there with um beyond that like before i played that it was uh bayonetta 2 and it was uh, a huge bayonetta fan and ninja gaiden black that was um i i beat i don't play games twice i don't have enough time like i, I don't play game even when i was younger i was never like nostalgic person i, I played it once that was the experience i had and I, I, pr I prefer to keep it that way. Like, the only the only classic RPGs I played more than once it was probably um, Chrono Trigger. Uh, I think I played that one twice. Um, and I might have played... Um, uh, I might have played Earthbound twice, but maybe not. Um, but I played Final Fantasy Tactics probably like 20 times. Like, actually, legitly. Um, and... Are you talking about um, Virgil or Vertigo, the guy that like uh, creates all the clones of himself? That that the difficulty curve in that fight was unreal. Like the game goes from being like kind of difficult but manageable, and then all of a sudden he one shots your entire party. And it's one of those games like in, they did this in Corona Trigger. Like you know when you like you fight a boss and you lose so bad, you think it's scripted. And, and then the game over screen comes up. <laughs> the only way I beat him the first time, um, I was lucky I had AOL. <laughs> I was able to like <laughs> look it up on like you know um, GameFAQs version 1.0 website, and where they had the, like the forum section. And the only way I beat, I was able to beat him because not only that, because like you, you, I think if I'm not mistaken, that fight is at the end of a dungeon. And it's like one of the few parts of the game where you cannot go back. It's like you're locked in. And so if you don't get over that difficulty curve, that's where your game stops. And, and I remember there was a tip online saying, like, convert all of your people into Lancers. Uh, and, and you jump and he can't hit you. And that's the only way. And even when I did that, it still took me like five tries just to like, like RNG to line up. And man part of the conversation uh, I mentioned a really tough battle um, from Final Fantasy Tactics and just uh, yeah I, I talk about how I finally figured out uh, how to beat it by using uh, the the Dragoon or the Lancer um, to have an ability to um, cast re-rays on characters that take a lot of damage oh I never had that ability I did uh, I always did um, ninja monks so it, it was a, a ninja with the subclass monk and you could punch twice and you would just wreck things and that was like the first overpowered combination that i found and then like you know in subsequent playthroughs i learned that there's a lot of overpowered combinations like you know as a thief you could just steal the enemy's weapon and they couldn't do anything or um yeah i i knew the calculator the calculator was so overpowered in that game that I, I thought it was broken. Like I, I didn't think that there would be they would put a character in that game that could just literally one shot every single thing in the game as long as you like could just do the calculations for it. 
Um, then the samurais, um, the samurais classes were all like super beefy. Um, but I like the monk a lot. I like the monks. Um, that was those are probably my favorite classes uh, up until you, you unlock all the special characters. Like I had played, I had played um, Fire Emblem before, which was a permadeath game. But like the the emotions that Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, I don't know, pulled out or invoked on you was like far above and beyond like everything, anything that Fire Emblem ever did for me. Like I was, I, I was hooked on my characters in, in Final Fantasy Tactics, and I, I never let anybody die. Like I, I would reset my game. I'm like, nope, 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 no, no man left behind. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, there was, there was a few, but I had like, you know, like you know, I, I do the same thing when I play a game like XCOM. Like I, I create stories in my head for my characters, and, and like you know, and it's, it's, you know it's cheesy but you know i'll get i'll get like hooked on the characters and i'm like well i don't mind i don't mind if these people die but if i lose that person like you know i got i got this entire backstory in my head for that character <laughs> yeah so i just started um yeah mentioning that um i also um like playing uh, xcom and uh, i did the same thing with tactics and with xcom where each character has their like backstory and um yeah if one of the characters dies um then i'll just re redo the mission because I also have a no person left behind policy. And I mentioned that, um, yeah, even though I really do like um, the XCOM gameplay, um, yeah, that's how the game is set up. I never really got that far. I, I think I know which, yeah, I think I know what's happening. Um, in that game, there's like, there's certain emergency missions and they give you a timer. And if you don't complete, like you can do whatever you want, but like every once in a while they'll, you'll have these like emergency missions. And if you don't complete them within a certain amount of time, then it's just game over. Yeah, I I, I definitely got a few game overs that way. See, I this is the thing that I liked XCOM a lot, but it had too much like too much bulk to it. Like I, I wanted like the linearity of like Final Fantasy Tactics with like the system of XCOM. Cause I, I I'm I'm kind of weird. I don't like open world games. Like I, I I'll play Grand Theft Auto for like 10 to 15 hours. I'll, I'll play Skyrim for 10 to 15 hours. I'll play Red Dead. And I'm kind of like it, at a certain point I get ADD or something. I'm just like I'm kind of done with this. You know, like, it's a great game. I everything about this game is great. I'll recommend it to my best friend. But it's just not really for me. So in the end, this part of the conversation, I mentioned that you know gaming can be a really big time sink, and you know for many reasons you know we don't always have that time to dedicate to doing you know side missions or you know exploring an open world um aimlessly um and that you know uh, personally um i really enjoy you know kind of story driven games that you can easily jump in and jump out of um and not get too lost in in the fray that's why i, I appreciated like um you know even games like last of us where it's got a very good story and you're engaged and it, it never it was I, i'm very like cutthroat when it comes to like my free time like if, if i'm not enjoying a game like it doesn't matter if i paid 60 bucks for it I, i'm just done with it like i'll go i'll go medicare it and just sell it and find something else and you know and so I, I appreciate those games that have like you know they have a story to tell and they don't beat around the bush and that was one of my biggest problems with uh, final fantasy 7 remake is i'm like you know you guys here i just kind of cut in and i said yeah i also played final fantasy 7 remake and the game has a ton of fluff um, versus the actual story, so I, I definitely get uh, what he's saying, um, you know, but not to front, you know, I still got caught with the nostalgia bug. Yeah, man. Dude, I, I was like, what, what is going on? Like, I I finished it finally, but I, I, I think I was messaging you, oh, I was messaging you as I was fighting the final boss, I think, because, like, 
Like, he was one-shotting me. Like, in that's like, it's a cinematic fight, and it took like 15 to 20 minutes just to get to the part where I was being one-shotted. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that was a, that was a 15, that was like a 12 to 15 hour game that they stretched into 30 hours, and... But it was alright. I, I appreciate what they were trying to do. I just wish they like waited and released it as a full package instead of like padding it out. It had great highs. Like it had very very good parts. Um, but what it, it should have been a 15-hour game in my opinion. It should have been a 30 35-hour game. So yeah, here um, we kind of get deep into this the the Square uh, Enix or if you want to go really old school, the Square Soft talk. Um, just about you know Final Fantasy you know um game series and you know you know just <laughs> um what we you know miss about it and um what we hope to see um going forward but that wasn't the case and uh you know time goes on and uh nothing really stays the same yeah it's not final fantasy 12 <laughs> we're not going back <laughs> no like you know square um I, I don't know. I, I want them to like get their crap together, and yeah, I mean that. Well, I mean a lot of the the, the talented developers kind of left, um, unfortunately. And but I mean they have good stories to tell, like the Near series, like Near Automata, and, and even the original Near. Like I, I I think that was internal score. I could be wrong. Um, well, I think Near Automata was Platinum Games, um, which is one of my favorite studios. It's a studio that makes uh, Bayonetta. Um, and they, they make really good games, and their games don't overstate their welcome either. Um, but the first Nier game was fantastic. Um, it was a lot of fun. So here I just mentioned that, you know, I think it was a crime that, um, you know, the uh, the Ivalis or, uh, yeah, Ivalis uh, stories never really got fleshed out. It, it did if you had a 3DS, which I, 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 I'm not a fan of, like, side story games in general. Um, but, but then again, I think Ivalis was... Um, was that where you were in Final Fantasy IX, the the online one? I, I could be wrong. I, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, eleven. No, no, you're right, eleven. It was either eleven or fourteen. I, I thought Ivelisse came back in. Um, oh no, it was yeah, ta ta Tactics uh, Tactics Advance Two. Um, one of those. It felt because Tactics Advance Two had the judges as well. I think. Um, Maybe it wasn't Evilius, but it felt a lot like it, and that's one of the reasons why I thought like Tactics Advance and Tactics Advance Two were, were just immaculate games. You know, other companies are picking up the reins, I, I guess. Um, you know, making making just good story-driven games, which is like what you know what we liked about the original Final Fantasies is like the stories were just fantastic, and they were fearless, and you know they didn't they didn't you know they create madmen, and they would like just break their own rules, and you know. <laughs> all of them they were just innovative like you know final fantasy 6 when you know you, you thought you thought the game was over right like you thought you you'd climb the mountain and you're like going to fight kefka you go through this like epic dungeon you're at the top of the mountain you're fighting kefka and then he blows up the world and you're like i reset my game three times i i thought i thought <laughs> i didn't know what happened i'm like i literally reset my game like three times thinking no there's got to be a way like the heroes always win like you know the, the heroes they don't die and, <laughs> and then i realized there was an entire second half of that game <laughs> yeah so spoilers for final fantasy uh six or three whatever so in in the game you know you amass all these characters and you go to fight the bad guy kefka and it's a huge battle it's a difficult dungeon and then you know you lose <laughs> like you lose everything 
everything you know turns to crap and you kind of start over again in a broken world uh, and the character that you're controlling is like one of the the side characters that you probably never even paid much mind to um in this in you know in, in the in the story up until that point and you know you kind of go back through the world and rebuild your team to you know <laughs> fight one more time and you know it was it was a genius thing um, i mean this was you know 1995 um you know done with um you know 16-bit graphics oh i love that because they made you care about an entire brand new cast of characters like as you're climbing back through it and you know like um was it the uh just the, the just random characters they, they brought them back and they made you care about them and they made you look at characters a different way and like that game had a cast of like kind of been some like 20 something characters and like i cared like intensely probably of, like you know 17 or 18 out of them with the exception of like the umaro and yeah yeah goro and and gao and stuff like that yeah shadow so we ended up going on uh you know a bit more about the different final fantasies and our opinions and thoughts about it um and you know we'll, we'll come back and we'll definitely um have that conversation in a later episode um but yeah the conversation kind of went back um on track and yeah i just asked jamie like what what, what he's doing now and uh yeah what, what, what he's got planned for the future yeah yeah well, i guess we tangented a little bit <laughs> um you know i'm a lot of it is just uh you know being a dad <laughs> like uh kids are getting older like my my, my older one's like uh, about to turn six uh pretty soon and you know he he has his own like opinions and, and you know interests now which is which is yeah it's crazy and he you know he, he's a salesman like me like he'll debate me he'll debate me about like bedtime it'll come up with like intricate arguments about why he shouldn't go to bed and i'm like <laughs> like i you know i have a job for you in in 15 years <laughs> um but we we you know we we he games a little bit um we we just finished kirby um on, on the switch and that was that was fantastic and, and may, may could definitely go through that too um like it, it's very easy to go through um but then me like you know i'm just like you know trying to trying to uh, kind of keep going <laughs> um you know i started a side business um you know making like just t-shirts and stuff um which is it's just a hobby uh you know i, I like having a side project like I, I need to be doing something to like just have a side project going on and so you know I, I thought it was something that i could start up and you know i i think of a lot of like nostalgic stuff and, and sarcastic stuff so i thought it'd be you know pretty easy to throw on a t-shirt and see how it goes no, I, I, it's it's you know it's a long-term thing. It's you know it's gonna take me a while to kind of like you know get get things going. But you know it's it's a hobby. It's something to do on the side, and I'm having fun doing it. And so yeah, that's about it. Um, other than that, uh, I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. I've been playing a lot of board games lately. Um, we have a I have a, a board game group at work that that we get together and we like play board games, which has been been a lot of fun. Um. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> and here, yeah, I asked the question um, that I asked all the guests. Um, can you speak any languages other than English? Uh, if so, please share. And yeah, obviously I know that Jamie can speak Japanese. No, it's it's pretty much those two. I, I, I epically failed two years of French and, and three years of Spanish. Uh, and I, I, I can't speak a single word of any of them. <laughs> and, uh, I, I know how to... I know how to 
to say a lot of uh, names of punches and kicks in Korean, but that's about it. <laughs> From uh, I did Korean martial arts forever, um, so I have that much. But yeah, that's it's kind of Japanese. Um, but but you know, if if you want to like give a lesson to, to to the language learners, and I know your language learners are older, but you know, I I, I do wish nowadays that I had paid attention in Spanish. Um, cause it's such a useful language. Um, and, and you know, the people around me, uh, nowadays, like, you know, I, I have, you know, uh, coworkers from Mexico, I have coworkers from South America, um, guy from Chile, which, you know, it's, it's not, you know, um, a lot of the languages like Portuguese and Spanish, like they're, they're different, but there's a lot of similarities in them too. And, and, and I noticed like, you know, if I had studied more of those languages when I was younger in French, I, I work with a lot of, um, you know, people from France and you know, I wish I could just speak a few words of their language. Right. Just to like, you know, it's nice to be able to, you know, one of the reasons why I like Japanese or I wanted to learn Japanese was I wanted to learn like what everybody was saying in, in, in those, the movies I used to watch. And, you know, it's really nice being able to, to speak to somebody in their own language. So, you know, um, it, it's all useful, especially later in life. I, I wish I did study Spanish and French a little bit more seriously. Um, that would have been cool. So here, um, yeah, I asked Jamie, um, you know, if, you know, he can, you know, basically share any advice with his language learning, um, because yeah, he is a very successful learner of Japanese. So I thought it would be, um, yeah, you know, cool if he could share some, uh, tips. Um, yeah, that, that's a, that's a lot in that question that I could talk about. I, I know we're running out of time. I know you got to go put your daughter to bed. Um, the long story short is, uh, find something in the language that you can make relatable. Um, whether it's culture, whether it's food, um, you know, Japanese stuck for me just because I had the big cultural link. Um, and the second thing is, uh, like, find the textbooks are only going to teach you the basics. And even if you study textbooks for like four or five years, like, you're, you're, you're never going to be able to fully grasp a language unless you find a way to, to immerse yourself in it in some way. Uh, and that means like not, not that even goes beyond just having a native language teacher. Like you, you need to be in the culture. So you need to study abroad. You need to, to do a, a, a homestay or a semester abroad and you need to throw yourself into it. Like a lot of people that I've seen will study abroad for a year and, but they'll just hang out with their own nationality of people. They'll study hard. Um, but they'll still like, you know, they'll wake up every day and study with, with just a set of their own people. And I'm like, guys, you're in the country. Like, you know, just don't get your head out of the book and, and like, you know, go, jo go join a circle, like go, go, you know, go, go join a Frisbee group or, uh, you know, take a class like with other Japanese people. And, you know, and I, 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 my experience doesn't really stress beyond ja Japan, but I, I've noticed, I feel that I've noticed in talking to a lot of my friends that studied in Germany and studied in France and Italy that if you're a foreigner in that country and you show that you're, you're making the attempt to, to learn about them, then they'll definitely help you in that. Like they'll, they'll embrace you and, and help teach you and, and, you know, kind of invite you into their culture and their circle of friends. And that's where you're going to do the real learning is with them. So throw yourself into it. Yeah. And um, I totally agree. <clears throat> it's really good advice uh, that Jamie said there. Um, and, you know, um, for you, for those that are learning, you know, it's really important to to be around peers 
um, that are also learning uh, and th those that, you know, are more advanced than you, but also those that are not as advanced uh, as you as well. And this kind of goes into Vygotsky's zone of proximal development and all that jazz. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, great advice. You know, throw yourself into it. Well, that was pretty much the conclusion of, of uh, our conversation. And um, yeah, I just gave Jamie props for everything that he's done up until this point and all the things that he is, uh, you know, aspiring to do in the future. And yeah, we said our goodbyes. Dude, it's so mutual. It's so beyond mutual. <laughs> yeah, we talked about like, you know, we're going to watch our kids grow up together. Um, you know, unfortunately, we're, <laughs> we're, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're still pretty close. Um, but I, I think, you know, that part's going to, that part of our lives is going to come, I think. Like kids hanging out together. It's going to be awesome. And finally, I thank Jamie for being a hero that I call by their first name. No, it's my pleasure. My pleasure, buddy. I really appreciate it. It's everything. Well, there you have it. Um, that concludes this episode of I Call My Heroes by Their First Name. I just want to say thank you for listening um, to this episode. And, um, you know, apologies for the hiccup in the recording process. Um, now that I have a new way of recording interviews, um, this should not be a problem in the future and if it is a problem it will be 100% my fault uh, maybe not 100% maybe like 99.8 <laughs> but yeah it won't be uh, because of some internet uh, internet connectivity issues or anything like that so yeah thank you so much I really appreciate your time and uh, yeah peace out <laughs>